morning and always appreciate the, the fellowship that we can have as being united in Christ. We considered the church, the pattern in which the Word of God has given us for the past numerous sessions now. There were actually 18 lessons, I believe, uh, concerning the church, and this being the last session, we'll consider the blessed future of the church. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who said these words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. I'll tell you, there's plenty in this world to trouble our hearts today. I'm reading about a book. I'm reading a book. I'm not reading about a book. And it's in the section where there's a little girl, she's seven years old, and she was born during the time of Hitler's reign and the Nazism that moved into Germany and ultimately swept into Europe and threatened to take over the whole world. And in that book, they began to describe some of the horrors that went on. This one just really got me. They said that his SS soldiers would come into homes almost without rhyme or reason. There was really no reasoning. They would have a paper. There would be five or six individuals in that home, and they would spout off a couple names. You got five minutes, pick up all your belongings, and head out to the street. Those people would then be taken to places like Treblinka, Auschwitz, and their bodies would be brought to the lowest form possible in pure slave labor, and then they would be put into a chamber and gassed. How can this be? How can such insanity be? I was talking to my students. It was Thursday, this past Thursday. We... And I, and I put on the screen the, the plight of the refugees from Syria that are heading into Turkey and heading into Europe and heading anywhere but Syria because it's just absolutely unlivable conditions there right now. And I, I put it on on purpose because I knew I had a, a, a certain segment of that class that were real thinking people. And so they began to look at that and the horrors that were going on. We live in a candy-coated world here. This is a candy-coated world we live in. These people are taken out of their homes and they're, they're, they're made to march up into really enemy territory, into Turkey, and then around Turkey, through Asia, and wherever they could go to get loose of the two fighting parties, the three fighting parties, actually. Assad, the rebels, and then you have ISIS. You have three fighting parties in one country. How can this insanity be? One of my students perked up in class. 
She said it's because of religion. No, it's because of the human heart. Because of the human heart. And what's really bizarre about it is she sat back and, and, and she more or less gave the portrayal that I would never do that. You'll never catch me doing such a thing. I'll never hate that way. Never will I do that. And I thought to myself, oh, sister, it lurks within us all. And it's deceived you into believing that not me. Why can't we just all live in harmony, she said. Because we're all born in sin. And shaped in iniquity. And then came the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. And there was reconciliation. Those who were once enemies of God are reconciled and brought back to God through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he died on Calvary's cross for our sins. And I was able to give that message just as clear clear as possible. I had a bunch of kids all the way in the back of the room and they, they just they were just exactly like the world portrays. They could have cared less. They were talking. They didn't care. Turn, if you will, to Titus chapter number two, and this is, it really talks about the future of the church, the, the future that we have before us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. But not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again, and he will. Some people say, well, I don't know that the rapture is going to happen. Friend, the rapture is going to happen. The Lord's going to come back. I may not be here. My body, this vessel might dump itself into the ground from which it came, but it's going to happen. The Lord's going to come. Bless his holy name. The trump shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we who remain will be caught up. When, it, when the Lord says it, you better believe it, friends. You better believe it. And we're on the brink now. Listen to what it says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to just a few, just a few, just a few. Kind of no rhyme or reason to the whole thing. No, bringing salvation to all men. Praise God. He's dealt with this whole big fat mess. Why is there so much hate in this world right now? I was watching that documentary. I'm reading this book and it just breaks my heart. Why can't someone do something about this? The Lord has. The only one that can do something. The only one with the power to change this. To reconcile. Change back again. Take which was crooked and perverse and straighten it back out again. He's the only one with the power to do that. He did do something. He did do something. He loved us unto death. Even 
the death of the cross. Instructing us to deny ungodliness. It'll be an exhortation all throughout. That there's a response on our parts. All of us have a responsibility. We've been given the salvation. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've been given this grand and glorious salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ has paid for with his own death, burial, and resurrection. And then we have the responsibility that we might live. God says instructing us to deny ungodly worldly desires and live sensibly righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. I'm convinced. It was 1960s when we had the great Jesus movement. Remember that? Some some do. I certainly do. We sang all of our, most of our songs, many of our songs that we sang at, 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 at Turkey Hill Ranch Bible Camp in the middle part of Missouri, there in the Ozarks. Most of the songs that we sang were concerning the second, the, the rapture of the church. That, that was a big thing then, and, and, and people were on the edge of their seats, and they were out witnessing. It changed their lives. It made a difference as to the way they live. Let me tell you, when you lose that blessed hope, you lose your edge as a testimony in this world. Because the world starts to creeping in. It's just oh, a little bit here, a little bit there. And we say, oh, no, no, not me. Not me, just like that young girl. And it just starts creeping in one step at a time. And it begins to swallow you up. And pretty soon, your voice goes silent in the workplace. Your voice goes silent in the school. Your voice, your whole mindset tends to, the percentages grow larger and larger towards an a fixation on this world rather than a fixation on the future that the Lord Jesus Christ has gone to prepare for us. And we lose that edge, don't we? And it has, and it's an effect upon the way we live, as it says right here. It's a blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. And there's our responsibility as given once again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it, it, it says that we're, we were all away from God. It, it wasn't like uh, some of us were, were, were born with golden shoes on our feet or something, and, and we're sort of born in a righteous state. No, the Word of God makes it very clear that we're born in sin and shape and iniquity. That at that time, you were without Christ, being alienated from God and the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Ooh, that's where I was. And if I dig deep down into my heart, I know the potential of what those SS soldiers did. It, 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 it fits right within my own heart, the very potential of doing such a thing. The problem is this. Whenever I go to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, the biggest stepping stone is that people think they're good. That somehow, deep within me, 
is this seed of goodness. And if I plant it in the right spot, it's going to spring up and bless everyone around me of a good person. That's not what my Bible says. Read Romans chapter 1. It's not what my Bible says. And it's the biggest problem I encounter as far as presenting the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he came to reconcile. He came to redeem. He came to change that evil, wicked, nasty, black heart into something good. He came to make what was dead, absolutely dead, into life again. He came to breathe life into death. That's what he did. And when we realize just how dead we really are, then we can start moving forward. And we can be effective for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this, though. The, the problem is as well, we, we, don't, we don't reckon this heart. We don't realize just how evil this heart is. And, 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 and some people always, that, that you're, you're speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ to them, and, and they're, they're healthy, and they're strong, and they're, they've got all their vitality, and they're moving around, and they say, listen, when the darkness comes in, and the light's dim, you come see me then. You know the problem with that theory is? The Word of God says that our hearts can become hardened. Malcolm was sharing with me last night about a man who has a son who, a son, he can't even walk. He, he has no use with his lower body at all. And, but that son knows the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And that son witnessed to his father time and time again to the point where the father just got to, he just spewed out against the gospel. The son reckoned, remembers a day when, when Malcolm had come back to the house. And this is back at old Central Gospel Chapel. He had come back to the house and, and he probably hadn't seen the father in, in many number of years. And when Malcolm came to the door, the father just said, get out of here, get out of here. You say, wait a second. It'll get better, you know. It'll get better. If they keep hearing the message, it'll get better. That's not what the Word of God says. It says that that, that Pharaoh was was there and and, and all these, these tremendous signs from heaven to show him that you are going to lose your grip whether you like it or not. And it says in the word of God that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then something unbelievable transpired. Because then it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Oh, your heart may be completely hardened by the time the sunshine finally comes. Or the rain finally comes. Or whatever the situation is in. Your heart's can become hardened. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. And i got to move on. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17 says this. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as a... Here we go again. There's your responsibility again. 
Everywhere you turn in this subject, you're going to find out that there's responsibility on our part as far as how we're to conduct ourselves in this life, and we're going to get more of that as we go through. Being darkened in your understanding, excluded uh, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they having become, now I want you to look at this word. It's the word callous. And, and what it basically means is that there's a growth that goes over it and over it and over it and over it and completely desensitizes the natural conscience of a human being to become absolutely callous. When we're little children, we know that, that mom said, don't do this. And, and we know because we kind of look back, you know, we're kind of looking at mom and, and, and we want to do it really bad. And so we finally get over there. And when we do it, then we, we feel kind of bad about it. There's a conscience there. But if you keep bucking against that conscience, bucking against it, then there's a callousness that builds up. That, that's that, that over layer, over layer, over layer that becomes against our very conscience. Being past feeling is the idea. The natural mechanism of conscience being stripped away completely. That's what happens. So if you're here today, then you've heard the gospel. There isn't a person in this room that, that hasn't heard the gospel. There, there were individuals in that classroom that I dealt with, but not in this room. You, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The fact that he was he died and that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again uh, from the dead. He didn't do it for his own sake. He didn't do it for his own sins. He had none. He was the spotless Lamb of God that was presented by God the Father as the redeeming sacrifice for all mankind. Now, when we take that and we apply that to our own hearts, we become saved. We become born again. We move out of the darkness and into his glorious light. We begin to walk that way. All of our our, our, our whole being starts to, 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 to live out life in in correlation with that experience that we had. I hope that everyone here has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But if you're here today, and there might be some here today, and you've heard that gospel over and over and over and over again, you say, oh, but I'm going to wait. I'll wait till that rainy day comes along. You know, when, 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 I, when I'm not breathing so well anymore. My, my father's there right now. Right now. He, he had a massive heart attack. This time it was a it was a massive heart attack. And, 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 and he said, son, I talked to him about son, I'm not coming back the way I always did. He's had numerous heart attacks since he was 59 years old. He's now 77, 87. He's gone through numerous heart attacks over and over again. But this time, it's just not the same. And that's what the world waits for, you know. Oh, then, then, maybe then. Turn if you will to Revelation chapter 6. I want to show you this because this is... I know I've, I've probably brought this up before, but Revelation chapter six, and you have the 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 the, the seal judgments that are going on. It says in verse number one, and I saw when the Lamb. I want you to notice that. Now, if you go back to chapter number five, it was a Lamb, as it were, 
freshly slain. So the idea behind the lamb was the sacrificial redemption provided by the Lord Jesus Christ through the shedding of his own blood, and that's the lamb that opens the seals. So each judgment now is peeled off, and the world is put under freakish agony. We thought Hitler was bad. Hitler was simply uh, Satan's man put in order because Satan was fooled into believing that this is it. This is it. This is it right now. 1936, 37, 38, 39, right to the 40s. The Lord is coming. Absolutely. Satan was absolutely convinced of that. Let me tell you what happened. This book tells me not about uh, some person in Poland and the experiences that they went through during the 30s. This tells me about a, a little girl who was in Germany. This is what they told. Hitler said, this is what I want. Every altar of every church, I want my picture stuck right on the altar. And that's what he had, except for just a few churches. And they paid dearly for the rebellion against that clause. Every altar of every church. We had right here, our table, a picture of Hitler laid right across it. Every school was made to pray to Hitler every morning. Does that sound like something to you? Oh, you see, Satan had his man in order already. That was his Antichrist. He was ready to go. Now, Satan was mistaken because there was one thing that hadn't happened yet. There was one thing that they had overlooked. There was one thing that they said, oh, we're just going to shove that aside. All of that talk in the Old Testament about that nation of Israel, forget all that. Just forget all that. We are the blessed. That's what the Christians in Germany said. We are the blessed. We are the promised children of God now. God said, no, you're I said they'll come back. They'll come back. And this is what blows my mind. I want you to think about this just for a minute. It was right after World War II when God said, now I move. And he opened the gates of Jerusalem. And the nation of Israel poured in. Friends, if you can't see, if you can't see that there's, there's two powers at work if you can't see what's going on in this world, then you blinded, you got calluses stuck over your eyes. This is all happening right before our very eyes. And the very next thing on the calendar is the blessed rapture of his bride, the church. I can't wait. I cannot. Oh, don't be deceived by this candy-coated United States that you live in. I want you to go over to Syria right now. You get on the next flight, and you go over there, and you're going to want the Lord to come. Now, those people are in freakish agony. They're in terrible pain. Unbelievable what they're doing over there. Separating families with this heartache. It's almost too much. It's overwhelmed me in the past week. It's overwhelmed me as I consider that situation of today and the situations of bygone days. You say, well, Lord, we've learned a lot since that altar. Well, oh, have we? Oh, have we? We've got ourselves a holocaust going on in the Middle East 
right now. They're bombing babies, children. It doesn't matter. Assad just says, I'll kill them all. He's destroying his own country. We have a holocaust going on right now. We haven't learned a thing. We haven't learned a thing. It's only taught me that this heart is deceitful and wicked above all. That's what it is. And I say, come Lord. Come Lord Jesus, we're ready to go this morning. Open up the scenes. And the door is open. Come Lord Jesus. We're ready. I put down this Bible now and I pick up this Bible. And I must hurry. What's our position on this earth? We're ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of, of another country. So we we are here. Our job is to uh, not bring about our own opinions and political ideologies. We're the representatives of another. That's what we're here for. Now that all sounds really, really good. And and but if it wasn't in scripture, it just is it's a really good comparison. That really sounds pretty neat, but it is in scripture. Turn, if you will, to Second Corinthians chapter number five. We're gonna lay on this for just a little bit here. And understand our positioning here um, on this earth. This is what it says. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, once you've been reconciled, then you don't just sit around in a hole, in a cave, and 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 maybe chant to God all day in prayer. You've then been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's God that reconciles. It's not you. Don't think that you're going to be out there reconciling people, God. You give the message. You give the message, and God, God, He'll He'll be faithful in doing the reconciling. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And it's a perfect comparison as the Greek came out and work with that word from the Greek into the English, the only one that really fit was that of an ambassador. Because we are here not representing our own opinions and all that, that we might think is the right way to go here. No, we've got to refer to the leadership of the country in which we represent. We are not citizens of that country. We are not made citizens of that country. There's a reason for that. No ambassador in another country is a citizen of that country. They are a citizen of the country in which they represent. Our citizenship then is where? In heaven. Thank the Lord, because this is getting really lunatic down here. 
This is really getting lunatic down here. And and just because, like I say, just because you've got your little candy-coated world and, and candy-cotton world down here, and boy, everything just seems to be going around real well, and you're able to have your freedoms, it ain't that way the rest of the world. I'll tell you that. You go study the rest of the world, and there's a lot of pain. And there's a lot of agony. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Why doesn't God do something about this? Why doesn't God do something about this? Come on. He did. He did. The invitation goes out. Be ye reconciled to God. Listen, let's get active and let's be a part of that invitation. Let's go and give the word. Be ye reconciled to God because God deeply loves you. He sent his only beloved son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die for our filthiness. To die even for those SS soldiers. Hamlet and, and, and all of the, his little henchmen that surround him and say, those, those men are so evil, it's unbelievable. Christ's blood was shed their behalf as well. He did do something. He did do something. Don't blame it on religion. Don't, don't, don't sit around and say, oh, if we could just do away with all this religion. What you're basically saying is, let's just do away with truth. Let's just do away. Where's morals then? Where's anything? Where's any standard that we can stand on? There's nothing left. We'd be bereft. We'd be lost. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. For he hath made him. Did he do something? Yes, he did. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. He did something. When war breaks out between two countries and you're the ambassador of one of those countries, you are then sent a message. The very first thing that that government does is sends a message. Ambassadors, come home. Wow. No wonder the New Testament used the word ambassador. Pretty soon, war is going to break out on us. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to turn to this earth and he's going to say, My bride, beautiful and white, glorious in splendor, mating, made righteous by the righteousness of Christ, you come home. Because all hell is going to break out on earth and you don't belong there no more. Ambassador. And that takes us to the next point. Because in order, in order, the next thing that will occur in order is the rapture of the church. I don't see anything that has to happen. I see things that could happen. I don't see anything that has to happen before we see the uh, the rapture of the church. 
It is the eminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two returns. He comes, first of all, in the air, and he takes his bride home with himself. The second time, it ain't just going to be in the air, you see. He's going to come down here. And both are blessed. Both, let me tell you, this world is going to be so torn and wrangled and a mess that those who actually know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those who have gotten saved in the in the tribulation, they are going to raise a giant hallelujah when the Lord Jesus Christ steps back down on this earth. Finally, order will be brought. Finally, the Prince of Peace will bring peace where a man could never bring peace. They're both blessed. But when it talks about that blessed hope, it's talking about that eminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when that's going to take place. We know now that the nation of Israel had to be back in Israel before that takes place. I don't see anything else that really has to happen. First Thessalonians and chapter number 4. Let's go there real quick. We've got to go through fairly quickly. He says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that she sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we don't have priority over those who have died. Those parents that you may have, those brothers or sisters who have gone on and know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their bodies will be pulled from the graves and they're going to be given a new body. We don't prevent them. And the Lord, listen to this, he doesn't send an angel. It's too important. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It is the Lord himself. He's coming back. It is his bride. It is his bride that he purchased with his blood. He's not sending some powerful angel to go, go get my bride, bring her back to me. Oh, no, that'd be very, very impersonal. It is the Lord himself that is going to come down and, and there's going to be a shout. There's going to be a trumpet blast. And that was to announce something. Let me tell you, that'll be a grand announcement. Let me tell you. I am, I am fully convinced that all children, this is going to blow the earth away. I am convinced that all children, and I don't know where that accountability age is. I don't know that. But but it's clear in Scripture that children are going to be taken away. Can you imagine a world without children? That's, that's what we're going to get. The children, by God's mercy and grace, are going to be lifted off this earth. David said, you know, I'm... You're not coming to me anymore, that boy that, that died. You're not coming to me anymore, but I'm going to you. Making it crystal clear. And so this thing is going to be cataclysmic. It is going to be earth-shaking to the point where people are going to go back 
to the word of God and they are going to recognize that this is the hand of God. Listen, in the revelation, it isn't like you're walking around thinking, where did all this come from? Hailstones, 100 pounds, earthquakes, destroying, leveling land. Where did all this come from? That's not what my Bible says. It says they turn with fists and they blaspheme God. They turn, they turn and they shake their fist at God. They blaspheme God. They, they had this giant prayer meeting in chapter number six. It was a giant prayer meeting and they prayed, Oh God, the God of mountains, the God of rocks fall on us. Like a giant prayer meeting. But instead of praying to the God of heaven, they pray to the creation. More than the creator. It'll be the largest prayer meeting that this world has ever known. They're going to pray to the mountains. They're going to pray to the rocks that they might fall on them. Just, just let me die. Let me die. Except death is not going to be an option at that point. Can you imagine? They know at this point. Why do they know? One of the biggest factors is the fact that this earth is going to be is going to be changed absolutely dramatically. When every blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is taken off this earth, I don't think there's going to be any many small children anymore. They're going to be all taken off this earth. They're going to know this is the hand of God. No question. And so what do they do? They get down on their knees and they begin to pray and they, they begin to repent and the whole world. No! They shake their fist in heaven and they curse God. Can you ma- How hard is the heart? When it talks about callous heart in Ephesians, how hard is the heart that they would be able to do that? You would think for sure they would then turn themselves over to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and accept all that God has provided for them through the good news of the gospel and become saved. They don't do it. Watch out. I say this, watch out. If you keep saying to the gospel... Well, another day. Another day. Maybe when the the sunshine stops glowing on my face and I don't feel its warmth anymore. Maybe another day. Watch out. Because you're being deceived by your own heart. Just like that girl was deceived by her heart and saying, I'll never do that. God has a plan. And then comes the judgment seat of Christ. It says in Second Corinthians chapter five and I think verse ten, it says, "And we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will give an account for the things done in the flesh, whether good or bad." You say, "Oh no, no, brother, don't be too, don't be talking about works here. Don't be talking about works here. Oh, I'm going to talk about works here because it is important." You noticed every section that we we talked about. It talked about the changing of the life, that the life must conform to the beauty of the gospel. There's a changing of the life, and we are responsible to change in the way we live in regards to the salvation we've been given through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a judgment seat. No, it's not the great white throne of judgment. No, the great white throne of judgment is there to determine whether that person, their absolute relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that'll be, that'll be considered there. This is not in dealing with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been made clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no question about that. But we're going to give an account for those things done in the flesh. There is a judgment seat. 
be it well known. And, and there in Revelation chapter 4, you can see them casting crowns. And, and man, if I'm standing there and I don't have anything to throw, it's not going to be a very comfortable situation. There will be a time when we're casting crowns. That's because we've been given crowns. There are rewards given. There is no question about that. They're not given in regards to salvation. They're not given in regards to redemption. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, holy and solely. We are not given salvation in accordance with our good works. We are given salvation in accordance with the good works of the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on our behalf at Calvary's cross. And then we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right after, right after that judgment, that judgment seat, we're going to sit down and we're going to, we're going to. It, I don't know. It's almost like our life is going to be played back to us. You know, this is a frightening thing. It's a frightening thing for me. I know all you guys out there are saying, "Man, I got, I got all my stuff in order." I, I'm not in order. No, no, that's a frightening concept. But then after that comes the beauty and the glory of the greatest uh, marriage supper that there has ever been. And boy, we've had a lot of marriages around here. We've had a ton of marriages around here. And they're all very, very beautiful, but it ain't got nothing on this. It ain't got nothing on this. We're going to sit down with the Savior who redeemed us. And we're going to be bound to Him. And then in the end, we're going to reign with Him. Go over to um, Revelation chapter 5, and I want you to see this, because uh, we're not going to be sitting on our, on our thumbs and doing absolutely nothing. We've got a job to do. And for a thousand years, we're going to be doing a specific job in reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it says this, 5 and verse 10 here. Oh, excuse me. Get the right chapter here. It says, for when he had opened the third... Excuse me, I'm still in the wrong chapter. Okay, 5.10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. So... We, that's what we've been made. We've been made a, a priest now. Uh, you say we have the, uh, the authority to go right into the very throne room of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been cleansed that well that we have that particular dynamic. So we've been made uh, a kingdom of, ki- uh, of kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. We're going to come back. We're going to be taken out for a while, but we're going to come back, and we're going to reign with him. At that second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in the Revelation chapter 19 that there are those who follow along and their robes are beautiful white. There is no blood stains on their robes. There's a blood stain on the Lamb's uh, robe on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but there's no blood stain on our robes. They're absolutely beautiful white, and we're going to follow in and we're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. All the pain. going to be more painful. And I don't have to be a prophet to think that the coating of candy that we're living is going to be removed. It is just a matter of time when the king is going to visit North America as it has visited all around the world. Look up for your salvation is all Jesus.
Our God and our Heavenly Father, what a blessed future we have. A future that includes being for all eternity in the presence of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has died on our behalf and given us full salvation, full and free. Oh, Father, we just pray that we might live in the light of, that we might move in the light of, we might commune with this world around us in a way that we would not portray all the, the gloom and doom of this world, but we would be able to give good news. Good news. Good news of the gospel. Oh, Father, help us by thy spirit. We need the spirit of God. We can't do this alone. Help us by thy spirit, we pray. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.